to you, and I'm glad to see people showed up. That's great. That's always a nerve-wracking thing, planning services on other days other than a Sunday. As a pastor, you think, okay, are we going to have anybody show up? I hope somebody shows up. Now, you showed up, but you didn't move up. <laughs> These front two rows, I've been inviting everybody, like, come on, forward, come forward. And so uh, these front rows are uh, just ready and available for tomorrow night. <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't say I'll have anything for you if you come forward, but um, they are the better seats. So, no, it's good. It's just good to have you here. I don't care if you're seated in the last row like Brother Holland. And la yesterday, he got, like, way back there into the foyer. He just didn't want any part of it in here. So it's good to see he's moving into the foyer area. Uh, it's just been such a joy to be with you. We had such a great time with you yesterday. And then to end us off such a great day with pie. Oh, I think we should end off every Sunday like that. That was tremendous. I slept like a baby at the Hilton on Highbury. Wow, what a place you've got there, and what a tremendous treat that has been. Uh, after 45 years, you guys have perfected the art of making your guests feel really welcome, and I appreciate that. We, we are uh, moving our stuff in on Saturday, and there were some gift bags in there that weighed about 63 and a half pounds each, and uh, my son was just surprised at your generosity of candy. And so we've been eating more food uh, I normally don't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but we've been eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and so I'm full. Well, after we finish dinner and stuff, he's going to the room, and then he just starts into the candy. And he's eating candy and candy and candy and calling his sisters and showing video chat of all of his candy. He, he went and he laid it out all over the bed and then took pictures of it and just to rub it into his sisters. So his goal is to have it all finished before the time we get home, because then he knows he's going to have to share it, right? Yeah, okay, I knew, I knew it, um, so that's tremendous, and then I, I have been the recipient of grace, so I don't know who it was, but someone yesterday paid my debt. I was guilty, I was going over the speed limit, I wasn't giving this illustration to, to get it paid for, but somebody stepped up and paid my debt. You know what, you have given me a sermon illustration, and I'm going to be using it back home in a few weeks, because it's the classic illustration, I was guilty. And I should have paid it, but somebody stepped up and paid the, my price. And so oh, thank you to whoever that was. Um, I have been going slow. I tell you this. <laughs> we ran some errands around here, and I have been watching because I've been thoroughly warned now. Your cops are out to get you. And so on the way here, I passed two. When we we're out today, there was two more. I'm, I'm serious. I don't think they have enough to do around here. Uh, either that or they need to get rid of some of them to give them more to do. I don't know what it is, but um, I'm being very, very careful now. And I'm glad I was used as such a way to warn some of you because I can't tell you how many told me, I didn't know that was 60 there on Highbury. And so now everybody knows, and that's great that I could be used that way. James 1, James 1. I got a question as we begin tonight. Has anyone here ever made the right decision every time? I mean, when you came down to a matter of a choice in life, you always made the right choice. Good, then this sermon applies to all of us, okay? Uh, I'm sure we can all say, you know what, I haven't always made the right choice. James 1, we're going to notice some things in here tonight. I just want to give a fair warning. If you see anyone using their device, like a phone, for their Bible, it's not the Bible. There's a game going on tonight. I want you to look over on someone's screen and make sure they're not watching the score, okay? So I won't point out who it is, 
But yeah, he's already showing his screen. It's me, he said. <laughs> unashamed, unashamed. That's great. That's good. So update me after. I don't want to be upset while I'm preaching, okay? You don't want to upset me. So choices in life. Uh, I'm just trying to be a little practical tonight because I enjoy practical advice. I like it when people give me words of wisdom and practical things to think of. I, I, I read one today. It was by Warren Wiersbe. It said this, Satan can defeat the ignorant believer, but he cannot overcome the Christian who knows his Bible and understands the promises of God. I read that tonight, or today and I thought, man, that is just simple, practical advice. I've got some other things I've got to give you for simple, practical advice because sometimes choices in life are difficult. Hard to make the right choice. Just like the other month, my dog jumped forcefully into my arms and he left me with no choice. I had to put him down. <laughs> now, how you're taking that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how you took that, but I'll leave it up to your imagination. Choices in life. I saw some guys here yesterday who were single because of a choice, but because of someone else's choice, you know, and, and so we come down to choices sometimes, and, and uh, what I want to help you with tonight is good choices in troubling times. Making good choices in the midst of troubling times. Edwin Markham, he was a poet laureate from the early 1900s, he said this short little sentence. He said, choices are the hinges of destiny. I read that short little line. I, I stopped and I pondered on that just for a moment. Choices are the hinges of destiny. In other words, they shape your future. The choices that you make today will greatly affect tomorrow. I heard that all through high school growing up, into college, and it was something that was hammered into my mind and I've never forgotten about it. 45 years ago, choices to follow the Lord by faith and plant a church in this city, in this area, have paid off great dividends. And guess what? You sit here tonight because of someone's choices years ago to follow the Lord. Choices are the hinges of destiny. I wonder the lives of those who are reached through this ministry, would they have been reached in those years that the Lord had for them if it wasn't for people through this ministry? Who knows what this city would look like if this church wasn't planted here 45 years ago, and someone followed the Lord's leading. Tonight we're going to read those first four verses of James 1, and we're going to look at good choices in troubling times. James 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I have to say, over the past year, my heart has been moved more than once whenever I hear the news of a difficulty in some place of the world. Our church is made up of a number of different nations of the world. I believe last count we were about 17, 18, 19 nations of the world. And so whenever something happens, it's very close to some family member of our church. Earlier this year, there was the devastation in Haiti when the earthquake struck, and a 7.2 earthquake, and it took the lives of over 1,400 people, injuring over 6,900 people. Now we have, I think, four different Haitian families in our church. 
And that was news that came, I believe, on a Friday or Saturday. So when they came into church, I mean, that has changed their families because they're in touch with friends and family from Haiti. And yet other family members are coming in from other parts of the world and they're not even thinking about Haiti as much as they are. But man, my heart was moved for them because I knew what they were going through with their thoughts, with their family. And then to know of the atrocities in Afghanistan, and I'm sure many of you followed that, where troops were pulling out and there was a desperate plea and a a move to try and get out of that land, and then targeted attacks on Christians, and, and just that the change that has taken place in one country in just a matter of weeks, if not months. And then most recently in Lebanon. You've been following what's been happening there. They, the whole country went without power. And then things went into attacks as different rebel groups moved into some different areas, even into the capital city. There were shootings going on, and right now one that comes to our church is in Lebanon visiting family. It's horrible to think about all those things going on right now, and we sit here. What do we have to deal with? It's been a rainy day. Well, it's a bit chilly. We sit inside with heat and we enjoy the safety, the comfort of these pews, the comfort of a church building. I can't help but think, if God has blessed this church and our church in Ottawa in this way, I can't help but think that the Lord requires something from us to be good stewards of what He's blessed us with. And certainly, He has blessed us. I pray that God impresses upon our hearts an even greater urgency to use what He has given to us, time, talents, treasure, our energy, to be able to reach out to others with the Gospel. And I pray that this church, I pray that our church in Ottawa will reach more people in the last couple of months of this year than we have all year already. Wouldn't that be a great thing? What a privilege we have to be in this position to be in Ontario preaching the Gospel. That we have the means to be able to hold church and to be able to do it comfortably and then to be able to support missionaries, not only in Ontario and Canada, but around the world. May we continue to have many more days ahead of this ability, but that doesn't mean that we are trial-free, even in our own nation. I know we look around and we don't see the physical atrocities and the things that I've been describing that are happening in Afghanistan and Lebanon and all those different areas. We don't face that type of a thing in Canada. But at times I wonder sometimes if we're almost worse off morally speaking. I'll tell you, the direction of our nation right now is an extremely concerning direction. And we need to be in prayer concerning our next sitting in Parliament. It's, it's amazing to me they're not even sitting yet in this next session. Obviously, we pray for God's will, but our request is simply to God that God would allow us to have a government that would continue to protect our freedom to openly and peacefully assemble without any discrimination against anyone's personal choice, without any hindrance, without any input into how we need to worship. I've told our own church family that some believers don't even see it yet, but 
it is part of my job as a pastor and part of your job, your pastor's job, to sometimes stand up and to sound a warning. And to warn of dangers and things that are imminent. To warn of challenges ahead. To be discerning with the times and with truth nowadays. You know, there are bills on the table of government right now. They're not sitting yet, but they have bills that are ready to go that would seek to hinder what I'm doing tonight. Of openly preaching the Word of God and freely sharing everything that the Bible has to say. It's not too far off to say that true Bible preaching could be limited if some of these future bills pass. We're facing today in society a country and a society that is actually trending away from the truth of God and unashamed about it. We are on, whether you realize it or not, we are on the cusp of moral collapse in Canada. Some look at it already and say we're already there, but I don't believe we're there already. We still have freedoms that are still protected, but you know, we could go on and on and on with the descriptions of some of the hard times and difficulties that we're facing, but if truth be told, get this, every generation has faced hard times. We heard the testimony of books being read of years gone by, of every generation facing hard times. We're not the first. The hardships will always be around us. I think the issue is more about what James is pointing at in these first four verses that we're going to see tonight. That although the hard times will be there, it's our choices that we make during the hard times that will really determine our direction coming out of them. The text tells us a lot, but just for today, we're going to highlight three things. And again, I want to be super practical just from the text so we can remember this even when we, we may be put off by some news in the future. Number one, remember this. Remember relationships. Look at the text where he starts off mentioning two relationships right off the bat. Let me give them to you quickly. Ready? The Lord, his relationship with the Lord, and his relationship with the family of the Lord. Look at how he begins. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what he's saying right there? I have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. God was no longer his eternal judge who would rule over him in judgment one day and pronounce him guilty for an eternal punishment and sin. James had entered into a relationship with the Lord. God had saved him, redeemed him, cleansed him. God was no longer his condemning judge just as we heard about it in the song, he was now his good father, his heavenly father. He adopted James into his spiritual family, made him a part of his household. As he, what he says here, his beloved servant. It was a privileged position to serve the Lord in love. I think it's important to see that this is where the text begins before mentioning the deep suffering that he's going to address. He's reminding them right off the bat, I have a relationship with the Lord. Now that's important to remember, especially when you're heading into a very difficult time. As a result of that relationship, he mentions this next one. He says, I have that relationship with God as my heavenly Father. I am His servant. And then he says this about the family of God. The very next words, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And then he says this, look at the words, my 
brethren. These believers in Jesus Christ were scattered abroad and he refers to them as what? Brothers and sisters, my brethren. Showing them this relationship reminder that guess what? They were not alone. The same Heavenly Father that He loved and served is the same one that they had as well. They were of the same family. My brethren, we still use those terms today. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, that type of a thing. A family term. Shows we have a relationship. I know you're a family here as a church, but guess what? If you know Christ as your Savior, guess what? I'm your family member too. I may not be a, a member of this church, but I am a member of the Lord's family. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. The reference was that this family as a whole, even though they were scattered abroad, this family was suffering together. They were all going through difficulties. The reminder was clear even before addressing anything. He hasn't said one word about a trouble yet. He's setting the stage here. We have a Heavenly Father. We're of the same family. God is our Master. We've come to Him by faith, first and foremost. And that means this. When the difficulties come, and they will, we need to make a conscious effort to remember this basic but important truth about the family. You know, I may be going through something personally, but that doesn't mean that I should take it out on a brother and sister in Christ just because I'm hurting. You ever find that family members can get most comfortable with each other? Sometimes they can get most familiar in ways that they shouldn't and they end up lashing out at family members even before they would to a friend. If there is not this first thought before reacting about a family member, then guess what? We fall into the danger of forgetting that we are family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We can very easily hurt some, someone else. Someone has once stated this, hurt people, hurt people. And sometimes we need to remember that it doesn't have to be that way. The Spirit of the Lord is ruling and reigning from within and uniting us together in love, then even though we may be going through a difficult time, we don't need to be a hurting people hurting other people. We're not against our own family members. We're not against the Lord and what He's trying to do. We are against Satan and sin, and we need to remember this focus. Family means this. We're to treat one another with love and grace. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do with each thing tonight. It's to make a choice. Make the choice that when hard times come, and when another brother and sister in the Lord maybe says something against you or to you, or does something to you in a moment of difficulty, make this choice. Say this, I will choose to think highly of them. I will choose to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will choose to show grace because I don't know what they're going through because they could be going through something the same way I'm going through something. And as part of the family of the Lord, they are family and I will choose to think higher thoughts towards them. Here's what I'll tell you. That's a good choice every time. Every time. I will choose to remember who I'm following and who I'm serving. 
I will choose to remember that the ones that are around me and the own, my own church family, they are family members and they are serving and loving the Lord as well. Even though they're going through a difficult time, I don't need to go through something as well and take it out on them. They don't need to take it out on me, but I'll show them grace even if they do. Our attention is drawn to relationships first, even before he mentions difficulties. Notice the second thing. Not only choose to remember relationships, but number two, choose joy. Look at verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Here's the first instruction given to these believers in the midst of hardships. The words that he uses here, he says, count it. This is a financial terminology to place an evaluation on it. Now, we would all be able to identify that. Anyone here not have any money? Okay, good. So you've all had money passed through your fingers. You may not have much of it, as much as maybe Brother Yeomans does, but you do have some, okay? We all know what it is to make an evaluation with the money that we hold into our hands or in our bank account. We make an evaluation every time we go in a store, whether we want to make that purchase or whether we want to make some savings, whether we want to give it here or whether we want to give it there. We make an evaluation depending on our resources, and you choose what you spend it on. Now, if you get a ticket, you don't really have a choice, right? (laughs) But you normally get to choose what you spend it on, how much and where. So the opportunity for joy, he says here, is in a financial terminology, he says, choose joy. Count it all joy. Let this sink in for a moment. The opportunity for joy is a choice. It's an evaluation of what you have been given and what you're facing. Notice I am not referring to trials and temptations along like you can choose those. Anyone ever get a chance to choose those? They'll sometimes come out of left field and they make the choice for you in a moment of time, right? I'm not talking about that as a choice. What we're saying here is count it all joy, meaning the joy is a choice. You say, well, okay, I'm going to joy in this part of it, but in this part of it, I'm choosing to be miserable. Guess what? It's your choice. But he says here, count it all joy. Let's put another word in there. Count it only joy. Choosing to look for the good, for the blessings, for the faithfulness of God. Isn't that, again, that song that we just heard. It, you, you're looking at all of the situations of life and yet your focus is drawn upward to your relationship. Remember relationships. You're a good, good father. All this is going on around me. But you guess what you're choosing? Choosing to remember him and choosing to remember joy, daily provisions, daily blessings, special measures of His grace for every moment. And I know what some think when they're looking up here and someone's saying this and it so easily rolls off the, off the tongue. Oh, it's easy for you. You have it good. Guess what? We all face things. We all do. Testimony time is a good time because I I like it because often testimonies reflect on the good things that God is doing. Wouldn't it be bad if I just stood up here and told you testimonies of all the bad things that are happening? (laughs) You'd be like, man, thanks. You've really encouraged us tonight. Trials are hard. I'm I'm not denying that. Hardships are hard. They're difficult. But our reaction to them 
can be this. Counting it all joy. Choosing joy. Knowing it can only get better with God. Because after all, back to that first point, I have a relationship with Him. God is great. God is good. Some of these basic things. And God can take anything and work it for your good and for His glory. So Instead of choosing to be ruled by a litany of other things that we could, we could be ruled by bitterness. We could be ruled by unforgiveness. We can be ruled by anger. You can fill in the blank with anything else beyond that. I can choose to watch for the hand of the Lord at work. I can choose to thank Him. I can choose to praise Him. I can choose gratefulness. I can choose joy in seeing who He is and seeing His grace. Remember this. Choices. Remember relationships. Remember to choose joy. But then number three, verses three and four says this. Expect growth. Expect growth. Look at verses three and four. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and that patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I like how he says this. Look at these words. Know this. Understand this. This is why we stand up here and we preach like this and we try and emphasize it. Why? Because we're wanting to get you to know it. Understand it. This is how he's writing this. Knowing this. Be aware of this. Come to know that this is true. That the trying of your faith, the testing, the proving ground of your faith works towards something. It accomplishes something. It's not in vain. Aren't you glad to know that? Trials, difficulties, hardships. Can you imagine if they really had no purpose? Oh man, that would be frustrating and futile. But we as believers, we know the words of the Lord. Remember, we can remember the promises of God. And we know this. When we go through something, there's a purpose lying ahead for it. Expect growth. It sounds strange. Trials accomplish something. Does that sound strange? For sure it does. But by faith, we believe this. It's not, a, it's not a biblically foreign concept. This is part of living by faith. We're in James. Let's go over to 1 Peter for a second and be reminded of this. 1 Peter. One book away. Just turn right. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Look what the Bible does not shy away from. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now look at the words he starts to bring out here. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, no, it's not a foreign concept to any who have lived by faith. But sadly, for many believers around the world, it is still a reality every day. And 
We definitely need to pray for Christians in other countries that are facing some very physical things the same way that this was written in as describing the trial of their faith. And in that context, it's much more than what we're facing, physically speaking. But the instruction here is rather unique. The terminology used. It is a refining fire. A furnace. When gold is in there, that's where the gold comes out the purest. I was raised around welding. I hold tickets as a welder fitter, and I did that for a number of years growing up. Does anyone, anyone enjoy welding? A few hands. Okay, great. So stick or MIG? Both? Okay. So when you lay a good stick down, and you lay down that bead, you let off the arc, you stand back, and you can just watch the slag just curl up on its own. And when it does that, that's all of those impurities coming off of there. And then underneath you see that beautiful bead, right? It's the same way with the gold tried in the fire. That top slag off and that pure gold that comes out. The Bible uses this picture of that refiner's fire in our own life. There's a commentator, Henry, that said this, we should not pray so much for the removal of affliction as for wisdom to make a right use of it. And who does not want wisdom to guide him through trials? Who doesn't want wisdom to guide them through trials? <laughs> Don't we often turn to James and say, God, you have wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men, up, uh, uh, and, um, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So when we're going through a trial, we're asking for wisdom. So we should not so much pray for the removal of it as the wisdom to make the right use of it. Barnes said this, patience is one of the fruits of such a trial and the grace of patience is worth the trial which it may cost to procure it. You ever said that? It was worth the trial. I've known some believers who have. I can't say that I have every time. There are some that my wife and I have walked through together that we still look back and say, what was the purpose of that? And we, by faith, we have to look back at it and say, you know what, we're going to choose to trust the Lord because one day we may see the reason why, but right now, guess what? We're still in a season of time of waiting to see what's the good of that? Patience, defined as persevering endurance and continuance. Not giving up. Seeing it through. And when we patiently endure hardships and trials and sufferings, what are we doing? We are only reflecting Christ through our life. Let's be encouraged the next time a trial comes along that Jesus Christ faced afflictions. And He faced trials and hardships. And guess what He did? He endured for you and me. Let's turn over to Hebrews just for a moment here. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verses 1-3. through 3. Hebrews 12, 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured. 
Such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You ever get weary of a trial and, and, and think, I can't make it. What does it say here? Consider him. Consider Christ, what he did. Verse 2 and verse 3 uses that word in there. He endured. I challenge you, just think of one takeaway from any message. At least one, and maybe the takeaway in this is found in this thought today. Going through a troubling time, expect growth. Don't expect to get weaker. Don't expect to grow faint. You know, some things can be a matter of perspective and purposeful faith. What am I saying? I'm saying expect victory. The next time you walk into a trial and it comes out of left field and it's right there. Expect God to be faithful. Expect that change will amount to just blessings from God. Don't, don't right away be discouraged and cast down. You ever meet somebody like that? You ask them, how's it going? Oh, it's been a rough week and I don't think next week's going to be any better. What are they expecting? They're not expecting victory. They're not expecting God to be faithful. They're not expecting the goodness of God. These are things that we should expect. Oh, but you don't know how October's ending and how November's beginning. After all, look at the news. Now, if you haven't learned anything by now, can I encourage you with something? Don't gauge your life based on the news you hear. Don't gauge your life based on the news you hear. But be faithfully looking to the Lord, to His Word, and expect God to work. I've heard of some Christians taking some pretty drastic and reactionary steps to the news they hear. I've been encouraging our own church family in Ottawa. Don't be guided in your walk with the Lord because of CNN or Global or CTV. I know of some who are making plans to flee. What are they expecting? I'm expecting to not be here if things take one more step this way. I know of some who have already fled thousands of miles away. Like I'm talking skipping the U.S. to go to Mexico. I know of some who have already gone to the U.S. Do I talk badly about them because they've moved? Guess what? I've moved too. So my question is, why are you moving? If March 2020 never happened, would you still be considering to move? Honestly, we've got to ask ourselves, what is motivating the choices that we're making? Fear? Temporal gain? Some make plans and don't even consider a church family life that they're going to be associated with, connected to. I say this because when God has placed you in a church and serving in a church and children being taught in a church and family having serving opportunities in a church, that is not something that you give up on a whim. Now, I can't see hearts and I don't want to be standing here as a judge of anybody, and I'm not. But part of me does not see the wisdom in a reactionary type of an approach without proper prayer a season of prayer, 
and spiritual counsel. I'll tell you this, if God has placed you somewhere and given you an area of ministry, and He has carried you all these years, don't give up. Stay faithful. Christ stayed faithful. He endured. You know, our task as believers has not changed, and for the days ahead, I want to encourage you, it is time, right where you are, to lift up Christ as never before. Over a hundred years ago, J. Hudson Taylor said this, Not by discussions nor by argument, but by lifting up Christ shall we draw all men unto Him. That's just Bible. It's not just a fantastic quote. It's Bible. It's Scripture. You, you know what we're seeing today from the Christian world is unfortunately... We're seeing Christians dragged into disputings and arguments over nonsense and opinions. And Paul says in Romans 14, you know what that's reserved for? <laughs> disputings and arguments over nonsense and opinions? That's, and I, I don't mean to say this against anybody, but if you're caught in that type of a disputing over nonsense and opinions, that's for weak Christians. The weak. You know what we need to be seeing more of today? Christ. We need to return today to the preaching of Christ. Reflecting Christ. Showing Christ. Showing His love, His mercy, His grace, His compassion. And we need to stay focused on growing in Christ. There may be troubling times ahead. I'm not saying November just looks great. I don't know. But I know what today is, and I know what the Lord is possibly giving for us to do tomorrow. Guess where I'm going to be between 9 and 11 tomorrow? I hope to be serving the Lord alongside some of you. Who's going to be there? Great, I'll look for you. I'll have a donut in hand, and we'll have a great time together. I want to serve the Lord. I don't want to give up. It may be getting darker out there, but man, it should be growing brighter in here and shining out to there. Continue to make good choices. Even when tough times are coming, we can be guided by truth. The next time you read those first few verses of the book of James, remember where he begins. A relationship. Where's your primary relationship? With God, your heavenly Father. Guess who's looking after everything? It's not out of his sovereign hand. He's still in control, he has a plan primary relationship then we have one another let's not turn on one another <laughs> keep relationships good with one another and if there's something that you need to work out work it out and continue serving the lord together remember relationships and choose joy count it all joy but it's hard joy joy in serving jesus expect growth I want to close in just a little bit of a different way. And it's simply just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. But I want to ask you a question about each one of those points tonight. And as I do, if the Lord has spoken to your heart about one of those, or maybe more than one, or maybe on each one of the points, by the way, as He has to mine on each one of those, maybe as I ask this question that you can make it a matter of prayer. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe it's this first one about remembering relationships. Is there a relationship that needs prayer 
and needs God to work in. God has given us relationships. I pray that we invest in others. So is there one that you can think of right now? If so, then from your heart, right now, make that a matter of prayer. Saying maybe, Lord, thank you for the relationship that I enjoy with you as my Heavenly Father. Thank you for the body of Christ, this church family. Maybe there's one in this church, or maybe it's a family relationship. Maybe it's an unsaved person. I don't know how the Lord is leading your heart, but I do know this. Even in the midst of difficulties, God's given us one another, and He's given us opportunities. I wonder if it's in the area of choosing joy. Maybe you honestly need to make that a matter of prayer tonight and say, Lord, I choose joy. I'm going to count it joy because I know you're in control. I may have forgotten that and I've gotten fearful and I've gotten worried and I've gotten downcast, but Lord, tonight I am reminded of your goodness. I am reminded of your strength. I am reminded of your control. I am reminded of the promises of God. Thank you, Lord. Are you moved to that area of thanksgiving and gratefulness? Maybe it's your expectations. What are you expecting? Expecting growth? Maybe tonight it could be praying this, God, grow me. Mature my walk. Strengthen me through this time. Not praying, God, remove this from my life, but Lord, strengthen me through this time. Maybe it's a prayer of rededication to the Lord and just saying, Lord, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to remove me from where you have planted me, but tonight I am staying resolved to stand for you. And tonight I am committing to staying invested in this church, in these people, in this ministry until the day you return or until the day you say, move. What would be your area of prayer tonight? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would lead in each of our hearts in at least one of these ways. Lord, I pray that you, we would stay surrendered to you. Lord, that our focus would stay wholly on you. We want to thank you tonight and praise you for the relationship that we have with you, the almighty God of the universe who sees all and knows everything. Lord, we thank you for your hand at work in our lives to grow us, to mature us, to change us, to mold us, to make us into a vessel fit for your service. Lord, we expect good things. And great and mighty things, not because of what we're doing, but Lord, your Holy Spirit working in and through us in the situations that we find ourselves in. We know none of these things have taken you by surprise. And Lord, we can read your word and be reminded of many, many, many trials and difficulties that you have worked through in amazing and miraculous ways. So I pray in the years ahead, for this church family, for these believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would do a great and mighty work in this area. 
Lord, as they continue to print scriptures, as they continue to support missions around the world, we just pray that your gospel would go forth boldly in the days ahead. I pray that these believers would be a shining light in this community when so many around us are being plunged into fear and worry and doubt. Lord, may we go from this place tonight shining hope and love and grace for others. Lord, may it begin within each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.